This is Growing the Valley, a podcast by the University of California, Agriculture and Natural Resources. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Melliron, Farm Advisor for Butte, Tehama, and Glen Counties. I'm your other host, Phoebe Gordon, Orchard Farm Advisor for Madera and Merced Counties. podcast, I have two guests. The first is Jalenda Rajal, who is an IPM advisor for uh, San Joaquin, Stanislaus, and Merced counties. The other guest is Jesse Roseman, who is a principal analyst with the Almond Board of California. And we are going to be talking about the Neighbors Program, which is looking at growers you know, opting into using mating disruption so before we get into it, uh, welcome to the podcast and welcome back in the case of Jalendra. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Phoebe. Okay, so I guess first, Jalendra, I know most of our listeners already know about naval orange worm management, but can we just kind of rehash the basics about naval orange worm management? Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. I think naval orange worm, as you mentioned, most of our listener, your listener, are familiar with the pest. It is probably the most important pest for all the nut crops in, in California. And naval worm, they, they feed on the nut and cause direct damage as well as creates a, some sort of environment where there could be the contamination of some aflatoxin producing fungus into, into the system. So it, it affects the nuts in two different ways. And in terms of naval worm management, a lot of growers, pest control advisors are familiar with this pest and its management tactics because this is not a trivial pest in terms of if we talk about the management aspects of things. We definitely need integrated approach of managing naval engine. And so talking about these integrated approach of or IPM approach for naval engine, there are several things that we wanted to include for to be the effective management for naval onjum. There are some cultural practices, for example, most important one, and we also like to call it the foundation of naval onjum management, is winter sanitation. Basically, the idea for this is removing all the nuts that are still in, in the tree during the winter time. They are actually from the last year harvest. They're still in the orchard and they harbor naval onjum larvae on them. So reducing those the population from the orchard by shaking those trees again and then removing all these nuts from the tree as well as from the ground before their, their emergence in the spring would be really a good place to start because that helped to for the growers to deal with a less number of the insect going into the into the season. Not only that, but also these nuts, these mummy nuts generally called, are also serve as a egg-laying device. Only the resource, egg-laying resource for the female in the during the spring and that early summer when nuts are the regular healthy nuts are not ready yet or not splitted yet. And so 
naval ones will go back and recycle these mummies uh, for the for the population buildup. So this is really a good good practice. The another practice, cultural practice that can be effective is a timely harvest. The idea is that naval ones have had multiple generations. So if we if we able to harvest at least some of the variety, like a premium variety non-porel, before that the next generation come in and they start laying eggs, that will really help to reduce the damage to those those crops. Certainly, the timely harvest is is a little bit tricky, given that we don't want to harvest or not they are not ready. But at the same time, once they are ready, we we our the the interest should be harvest them as soon as possible. So that would help the naval under management also. So these are the two cultural practices. In terms of the, if we talk about this in walnuts, also there are also a lot of factors. For example, a lot of predisposed nuts, for example, blighted nuts, carling moth infested nuts, sunburn nuts. These are the ones that naval onjum can utilize early part of the season. So managing those different pests and then diseases early from the early would also help to reduce the naval onjum population. So these are the, some of the cultural practices. And of course, the main, most important practice that regularly use in naval onjo management is timely application of insecticide. So as I said, the timely means not only because of the looking at the naval onjo population using the traps and other tools, but also clearly looking at the crop phenology, whether the crops is at that stage of vulnerable vulnerability and basically just kind of looking at those two aspects and, and applying the insecticide one or two times during the whole split time, especially talking about almonds. So these are the practices that's going on and uh, that we all are familiar. But recently, the, there is a newer, relatively newer practice mating disruption for naval onjum that uh, research have shown that we, we did uh, several years of research shown that these mating disruption, including mating disruption in these practices would help to reduce the naval onjum, not only population, but also ultimately to the damage. And so that would be the something kind of newer practice that we will probably talk a little more about that, that also. But yeah, in general, so if you looked at these whole three, four different practices in, in conjunction with the effective uh, monitoring, that's the kind of IPM approach for naval onjo management in all these three nut crops. You know, you mentioned mating disruption. Can you just briefly describe how it works and how it's best implemented in the field? Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. Mating disruption is, is really unique in these pest management area, given the fact that the mating disruption do not target really killing the insect by spraying or applying. The idea for mating disruption is basically using this, the pheromone into the orchard and basically kind of saturate the orchard with the synthetic pheromone where the, where the male moth would not be able to find the, find actual female because these pheromone that we apply in the, in the orchard a kind of mimics the pheromone that produced by the by the female. So instead of finding the female, they will basically, because of this overwhelming amount of the pheromone in the orchard, their sensory system is pretty much shut down and they would not be able to find the female. Or 
even if they find a female, it would be late or delayed. They they spend a lot of energy finding female. They may ultimately find a female, but in that case, it will be delayed mating. And delayed mating also has uh, consequences in, in terms of their number of progeny they can produce. And so so the idea for mating disruption essentially is, is try to prevent these matings or delay these matings so that overall population will be re reduced over time. And since naval have had the multiple generations, we wanted to use this these tools from the beginning and so that that covered the entire multiple generation throughout the throughout the season. So that's the basic concept of mating disruption. And the size of the orchard that you're deploying mating disruption in has a big impact on how successful it is, correct? That is correct, yes. So we have done about 1,200 acres of total all orchard that we did uh, mating disruption trial up and down the valley with my colleague David Haviland down in Kern County and me in the northern part of the valley. We looked at several orchards, 4,200 acres size orchard, and basically look at the effectiveness of the mating disruption in these multiple orchards. So there were some studies that we did were just to comparing the multiple products together. And there were also the study that we compare directly one mating disruption with uh, with and without mating disruption. So out of these all diff different studies over three years or so, we found that mating disruption use on top of all the practices that I described earlier would be able to really reduce the, the, the crop of damage by anywhere from 35 to 78%. So there is a lot of variability in here because you know we're dealing with a lot of variable sizes and then also the, the stages of the orchard, maturity of the orchard and up and down the valley. And of course, the population is also very variable. But on an average, if you put all this together, about 50% reduction you get using mating disruption. And these are based on the 40 acres plus orchard that we use. And we also know that based on the experience from the other, other pests in other system is that bigger the size of the block, size of the orchard, bigger the area, you get more benefit from, from this because you'll have these huge area where there is mating disruption pheromone everywhere. So in that case, it will be it is naturally more effective if you have bigger block, like you know, 50 acres, 100 acres, 200 acres, maybe 1,000 acres. So as you go up, the benefit likely to to also increase, and um, and so that's that's our finding. But it's still, we we said that 40 acres are up. That's our research said. It doesn't mean that they are not effective below 40 acres, but you know, bigger the bigger the orchard, better the performance in general you expect. Yeah, and I know that, you know, for a lot of growers, that orchard size is a concern. You know, I know I did a survey with Houston Wilson in 2020, right before the pandemic started, and we found that, you know, one big concern with growers was that their, or their orchards were too small. We asked, you know, folks, you know, it's anonymous, but what size of or how many acres that they were working with. And, you know, 
definitely smaller growers were more likely to report that their orchard blocks were too, they thought were too small for mating disruption, but even some mid-sized folks were reporting that they thought that they're, they had too small of an acreage to implement this in, which, you know, we took to mean, you know, it was probably just folks that were farming a bunch of smaller plots. And so, you know, as a whole, they're a mid-sized grower, but they didn't have large enough acreage that they felt that they could be deploying mating disruption. So I know that you two are both on a project together that's trying to look at possibly getting people to coordinate on this. So Jesse, can you talk a little bit about the Neighbors Project? Yes, this project is really building on the great work that Jalindra and David did in this their first grant with the Department of Pesticide Regulation in California with the Pest Management Alliance grant that he talked about that really showed how effective this is and how effect much more effective it is at scale. And we've been looking at adoption and it has seemed like adoption was was pretty widespread in larger ranches like your your survey is describing, but maybe lagging in other areas where the orchard blocks are smaller. So taking a page from what's typically called area-wide programs where growers essentially reach across crop types and boundaries to manage a shared pest. And this, this has been done many times with the Department of Food and Ag, but often with quarantine pests. Now, navel orangeworm we know is at this point endemic across the nut growing region in the Central Valley. And we know that neighbors can have an impact on how their neighbors are experiencing their pests. You can do a great job on sanitation in one block and maybe less of a good good job on the neighboring block. And that's gonna have an effect on your navel orangeworm pest pressure. So it has seemed like not in a mandatory program like what's done with quarantine pests, but as a voluntary program that we, the Almond Board, along with UC and Blue Diamond Growers, and then Land IQ, which does the mapping for the Almond Board uh, around how many acres are there each season, that we could do something novel to help growers find each other that want to do mating disruption at scale, do it as part of a, a neighborhood, and really increase the effective size of using that mating disruption and be more like one of these larger ranches that has been adopting mating disruption, sort of early adopters. So it, working with Land IQ, they've got, they do the crop mapping for the state. So they've got field boundaries and crop types and have experience doing these online apps. So DPR agreed, you know, we should build on this research that shows that mating disruption is effective and effective at scale and see how can we help drive adoption by connecting neighbors. And that's what we've been doing. We, we started in an area in West Modesto where Blue Diamond Growers has, has a lot of cooperative partners and growers, but typically with smaller blocks. And 
and tested this out and as a pilot area. And we held a grower meeting to talk about this idea. And it really seemed like there was a lot of interest in this. A lot of several PCAs stood up and talked about the benefits that they'd seen in orchards where they were working. And then also in communities probably up and down the valley, these are pretty tight-knit areas. People know each other. So it might just take a little bit of encouragement to make these connections. And so that's what this online tool is intended to do is once a grower or PCA logs in, they can register a field that they're managing and whether or not they're doing mating disruption. And then on the map, it really just colors it in. And that's one way that growers can see interest growers and PCAs in their area, often they'll know who these neighboring parcels are that are also interested. And then that kickstarts hopefully a conversation in each of these areas because this, this is a pest in over 2 million acres in the Central Valley. And while uh, we are going out and organizing grower meetings, there's always gonna be some differences between communities and neighbors and how much they work together or who their PCAs might be. So we wanted to leave it as much as possible open for each of these areas to self-organize once they find each other. And once, once they're registered, we'll notify participants whether other people uh, adjacent to them or at some reasonable proximity are also interested so that they can then start that conversation and develop one of these neighborhood management blocks often ideally on their own in a way that works for them but as the project partners we're also looking for areas where there's a lot of concentrated interest and and that's where we'll also go out and do a series of of follow-up grower meetings just again to kickstart that conversation and one barrier i've also heard is the cost especially now with the price of almonds down that the natural resources conservation service actually has an incentive program the 595 practice standard we worked with them along with jalendra and david havland of cooperative extension to develop a more detailed ipm approach for naval orangeworm that then nrcs could come in behind if if they fund it with a with a grower and and really provide the funding necessary to help them do mating disruption and orchard sanitation and and all these other practices that Jalendra described. So, you know, as I'm understanding this, this really is kind of a, a bunch of private and public entities kind of working together to try to make this increased adoption of mating disruption happening. So, you know, you have the Almond Board, University of California Cooperative Extension, NRCS, Land IQ, and um, Blue Diamond as well, as I understand it. Right. NRCS is not, I guess, a formal participant in the grant, but they're definitely at the table. And what we heard from them, they came and presented at a second grower meeting among the growers that had used the tool coming out of that first meeting. and. Of the, of the growers there, after NRCS presented on their practice standard, 
a majority of the growers in the room said they were now interested in going and applying to NRCS to see if they could get this cost share. So, and then uh, following up with them later, heard that several had also gone to their the field office and applied. So I think NRCS is a, a natural partner for this, but in the future, there may be other incentive programs through the state of California or otherwise that could also help growers that for, for whom cost is an object or who organize in these in these neighborhood blocks to, to really help them start this process of using mating disruption because it not only reduces damage, but at least anecdotally, we've heard that it can help avoid spray as well, which is more money in the pocket for the grower. Yeah, it's also, it benefits the industry as a whole because you also have a reduction in aflatoxin issues. And, you know, that's a, that's an export issue as well. And, you know, this isn't just an issue of trying to reduce individuals' damage, although that is a, a good goal to go towards. And the, the reduction in aflatoxin is something that really benefits the industry as a whole, right? That's right. Aflatoxin is something that is monitored in some of our key export markets, and we have to keep those levels at a minimum. And navel orange worm is a is a key pest. It in, it introduces aspergillus, which then creates the aflatoxin. And if the amount of aflatoxin in a given load, whether it's to the European Union or Japan or other places, it can trigger a rejection of that load. And that can be a significant loss. So reducing that definitely helps improve export and, and helps us make sure that we can do it at a in a reliable way that when when the the product gets to these export markets that you know we'll have we'll have an acceptable amount of aflatoxin. So Jalendra, so what are some future things that you can possibly you know find out through this neighbors program? You know, growers can find out if there are neighbors who are doing or interested in doing mating disruption if they want to and they feel like they may not have a big enough acreage you know, they can get their own benefit and you've kind of gone over how damage can be reduced. It's good for the industry as a whole. So are there any potential, you know, research areas that this could possibly be used for, you know, assuming that everyone who would be participating is properly informed? Yeah, I think there is a lot of, I, I can see that a lot of opportunity from this point. I think that having this tool and knowing which area within the valley, you know, which area grower has more interest. One thing, the other thing is that where the mating disruptions are currently implemented in an effective way. And these, that, that kind of information is always good, not only for the, for the research and expansion of the research, but also for us, for the extending the information and to understand the gap where we might need to go. That could be the one utility of this tool. The other research topic that we, Jesse and I also discussed last week or so, was potentially maybe as a second phase of this project. 
could be that in these pilot areas where we're doing the kind of grower interaction now, maybe we can implement uh, or grower and everything is goes out well, then th there would be the opportunity to implement the area-wide mating disruption in that area. In that case, we can look at a lot of different things for a long-term benefit that grower get long-term population reduction, maybe the involving the PCAs from that entire area and kind of bringing them as a part of these uh, sort of monitoring of that area. And, and, and hopefully it's a bigger scale, bigger impact type of demonstration project we can create. That was, uh, that, that was our discussion, and I think that would be something that can be, can be done. We have done the demonstration trial in the past, but those are more, you know, as I mentioned, limited to 40 to 100 acres. But if we get something, you know, bigger size, 200 acres, 300, 500 acres, and multiple growers interacts and multiple PCA involvement, that would be a different masses that we can create from there. So I think... We're talking about some of those things, and and also there could be the some of the, you know, the specific objective that we can address in terms of looking at the efficacy of the products and other things as a side, on those areas also. So, is there anything that I didn't ask about that either you would like to mention about this project? Well, one of the things that I have heard from the manufacturers of the mating disruption products is that they're really supportive of this project. You know, they, of they have ob an obvious interest in wanting to sell more of their product, but that also by bringing growers in through this program, there may be opportunities because you're now not only buying it for your smaller plot, but you might be working with others at a larger scale. There may be opportunities to get a discount on how much the mating disruption product costs. So even without a grant, you might buy, just by partnering and creating these neighborhood management areas, you may be able to get a lower price on the product. You know, the other advantage to us at the Almond Board is we do have our 2025 pesticide goals for doing more environmentally friendly pest management. And we know that the state of California has that as a shared interest with their recently released sustainable pest management roadmap. And then also if these products are used, for example, as part of water quality coalitions, some of the products that are used may be a concern along waterways. And if uh, PCA through the use of mating disruptions able to, or a grower is able to feel com more comfortable reducing the sprays that may help reduce the, the risk of, of runoff into some of these water bodies as well as part of the irrigated lands regulatory program. So using this ag neighbors approach, I think just ha has a lot of potential benefits both for growers and also for some of these environmental goals that, that we share with a lot of these agencies and, and other organizations. Okay, just to be clear, you know, talking about using products along waterways, you're talking about some of the insecticide sprays that growers might be using for naval orange worm 
and mating disruption potentially, although I don't know if it's been shown to be able to do this, at least with UC research and reducing the number of sprays, but it could be potentially tied into this. And it's not the, the mating disruption itself that is potentially a problem. It's the insecticide sprays. That, that's right. Pyrethroids in particular are something that the water quality coalitions are having to track very carefully in water quality monitoring. And you're right. The, I, I'm not aware of any research that shows a, a direct ability to use mating disruption and then reduce the number of sprays. But it is something that I've heard anecdotally from PCAs and growers that using mating disruption has allowed them to skip one or more uh, whole split sprays. So I think, you know, that's something every grower, every PCA is going to have to make their own individual determination, but it may be just another tool in the toolbox for, for these water quality coalitions who need to, to show improvement to expand the use of, of mating disruption in these areas. Awesome. Jalinder, is there anything you wanted to add? Well, most of the the benefits uh, of these uh, this type of program is uh, is already covered. I, I completely agree with uh, what Jesse mentioned. And one of the thing that well, yeah, we we did not cover that specifically in the in in, in previously when we talk about mating disruption, but mating disruption is the tool that is definitely non insecticidal approach, so it doesn't have any negative consequences, negative impact to the natural enemies, to the human. So it's definitely a green method of uh, of the pest management. I, I completely agree with the area-wide approach. Uh, we may not have shown the reduction in insecticide use um, so far, but I think the idea for this area-wide or neighborhood-wide approach is that to reduce the overall naval orange zone pressure from that entire area or entire valley ultimately and that will definitely help to reduce these uh, number of the insecticide use so that is ultimate goal and with the, the state now new priority that 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 they mentioned that by 2050 california has to eliminate the use of priority pesticide Completely. That's their kind of new roadmap now. They they mentioned they have not defined exactly what priority pesticides, but I think overall the state is heading to that direction to with this new sustainable pest management roadmap. And I think the using mating disruption as a part of the tool and hopefully ultimately that will help to reduce the insecticide use would be a win-win for, for everybody. How can someone sign up for the Neighbors Program if they are interested? So we made this as simple as we possibly could. Just go to agneighbors.com and then use passcode NOWMD for Naval Orange Worm Mating Disruption and log in and register with the, the name, email, and number just so we can make those connections after hopefully multiple people in a neighborhood register. And then whether you you pick a, your the field that you manage, and if it's multiple fields, you pick multiple fields, and then whether or not you're using mating disruption, and then hit submit. So I, it shouldn't take longer than, say, five minutes, five, ten minutes. And then we'll be following up uh, once 
hopefully we get more interest in, in, in a given area and making these connections. And like I said, where we see more interest from people using agneighbors.com, we'll be looking to hold these grower meetings and bring in RCS to talk about their incentive program. Awesome. And we'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. Well, thank you to the both of you for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Phoebe. Thanks for listening to Growing the Valley, a UC A&R podcast. You can find out more about this episode at our website, growingthevalleypodcast.com. We'd like to thank the Almond, Pistachio, Walnut, and Prune Boards for their support. We'd also like to thank my sister, Muriel Gordon, for writing and recording the theme music.